Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives, friends, and all the Radio Maria listeners, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Well, uh, this uh, very unusual happening in D.C. has occurred where a president running for re-election has been indicted on felony accounts. Um, so this is something we should keep in prayer, not, you know, particularly not just for the man, but that uh, this is the first time this has ever happened, and uh, it's going to have severe repercussions across the country as we go forward closer to the elections. So the division is at just catastrophic uh, levels in this country right now, and uh, it's become a powder keg for violence to uh, be birthed forward from it. And these, you have to know, are all spirits that drive these things. The spirit of division and violence are two of the three major calling cards of Satan. As I've said to you in the past, division, violence, and uh, public nudity are all signs that the devil is present. If you look to the Gerasene demoniac when Jesus uh, crosses over and in these tombs finds this man who says, we are legion, He's naked and bound by chains that he's ripped off of the uh, bolts that he was uh, tethered to. And he is uh, separated from society, running around naked, and there's violence. He's a violent man. Well, this is what we're seeing in our country right now. So when you pray the Our Father prayer, always be very intentional particularly about deliver us from evil, from the evil that's afflicting America and the whole world. Because I don't see it getting better without a divine intervention. Uh, having said that, let's shift now over to the gospel for today. And I'm going to talk about this for today and tomorrow. So, in today's gospel from Matthew, Jesus says, I think not that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until it is all accomplished. Whoever then relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But he who does them well and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the Ten Commandments. And um, he's, although he's bringing a new covenant, 
it doesn't dismiss or eradicate the the laws that were given to Moses on the mountain. And there's so many people today who consider the Ten Commandments um, an egregious burden on the back of mankind because these are the commandments that um, kind of, it's a, a, a a protection against grave and, and horrible sin. So for those who wish to commit great sins and great immorality, these are a roadblock, and they want to get rid of them. But the commandments are not a curse. They're, in fact, a blessing. So uh, these we can read about in the Bible in Deuteronomy 26. And you have to realize God's blessings go beyond human logic. It's not only that if you do this, then that will happen. You know, some people think if you do X, then you get Y. This is true, uh, but that's just the natural realm. When we pursue God's commands with a heart that is full of love for God, the spiritual results are compounded way beyond what we can imagine. And uh, Joshua, the protege of Moses, who actually is the one who leads the people, the people of God, into the promised land, he's a good case in point that illustrates this concept of blessing. Uh, this is actually what, what the, uh, the religious and the priests are reading about in the, uh, daily, in the uh, office of readings uh, right now, this current time. So just after, in fact, today was the point where Moses, uh, sorry, not Moses, but Joshua um, commands that the ark be held by the Levitical priests, the priesthood, at the uh, beginning of entering into the Jordan, and the Jordan stops, and the waters pile up, uh, and they flush away going southward. And the people cross over, and then the ark crosses over, and when the ark steps out of the riverbed, the waters flow again, thus imitating the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. So just after uh, Moses finished reiterating all the commands to the Israelites, he appoints Joshua to take his place in leading the people into the promised land. And then Moses dies, and the Lord begins to guide Joshua as the leader of the Israelites. Now, Joshua is one of the men who'd been to Canaan and back, and he knows the giants that live there. They literally called them giants. They said, we look like grasshoppers next to these people. Uh, he knew about the Jordan River crossing, which they'd have to do. And back then, the Jordan River was a substantial river. It didn't have dams set up as it does today. There were the giant walls of Jericho, all the kings, the armies. There would be battles required to possess the land. Most of us, if we were Joshua back then, would be asking God how to uh, outsmart the Canaanites, how to train up his warriors, what is the strategy, how are we going to break the wall down, how are we going to cross the river, and on and on and on. But what is the instruction that God gives Joshua. This is so telling right here, because this is how we think. You know, we need the plan before we step out. 
God tells him this. This is Joshua 1, 6 to 8. Be strong, be bold, for you will cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers I would give them. Only be strong and very bold in taking care to follow all the Torah, which Moshe, my servant, ordered you to follow. Do not turn from it either to the right or to the left. Then you will succeed wherever you go. Yes, keep this book of the Torah on your lips and meditate it on day and night that you will take care to act according to everything written in it. Then your undertakings will prosper and you will succeed. Okay, notice he doesn't say to him, uh, set up a boot camp. These guys are kind of soft and weak. We need to get them strong. No, he turns to the word. He says, live in my word. Be faithful to my word, which is Jesus, before Jesus was the man. Uh, human man, uh, this is your power. This is where your success will lie. Well, we don't think like that. God hasn't changed. He never changes. But we have changed. We've gotten more dependent on ourselves and less dependent on God. God instructs him to follow uh, the the a word that was given to meditate a day and night, and to act according to everything that has been written in it, including the commandments. Then God takes care of the rest. He'll make the Israelites prosper. He'll make uh, sure that they succeed. Remember, the Jericho walls, giant walls, not a finger was laid on these walls. The people just shouted and blew the trumpets, and guess what? They just fell down. God collapsed those walls. Of course, this doesn't make sense to uh, natural human reason and logic. How can meditating on God's word win physical battles with real enemies, with real weapons? Well, this is how God blesses us. We follow his commands. He brings forth the blessing. He guides us. He protects us. He compounds our efforts. He brings all his promises to fruition. When we're following his commandments, he has our full attention day and night. His word and his spirit guide us in every move we make, and he keeps us firmly in the path we need to be on, the path of his blessing. And if we follow his commandments, this is how we receive the blessings included in the promise in Deuteronomy. And this is what it says. Today, Adonai, your God, orders you to obey these laws and rulings. Therefore, you are to observe and obey them with all your heart and all your being. You are agreeing today that Adonai is your God and that you will follow his ways, observe his laws, mitzvah, and rulings, and do what he says. In turn, Adonai is agreeing today that you are his own unique treasure as he promised you, that you are to observe all his ways, and that he will raise you high above all the nations he has made in praise, reputation, and glory, and that as he said, you will be a holy people for the Lord your God, Adonai your God. Isn't that amazing? Now, here's the problem. We don't think like that anymore. We do not think like that anymore. We are... Uh, almost a completely self-sufficient people. Uh, 
And that's, that's, I think that's part of the problem. It, it kind of works in, a, in either a conscious for some people or a subconscious way for most. We're letting God know we're good. You know, we come for our hour on Sunday, but overall, we, I've got this. I'm in control. I'm handling it. I have my 401k. I have my account at uh, Solomon Smith Barney, and I have my, uh, my pension coming in. I'm good. But you're not good. Because he's not just talking about physical blessing, he's talking about spiritual blessing and the way we receive that great spiritual blessing of having our hearts and minds and souls transformed into the heart, mind, and soul of Jesus. We need to be, surrender everything over to him. And I know this is very difficult for most people to understand because we don't want to let go of the things that secure what we would say secure our future, right? But we're going to see in the days ahead that that's not going to work anymore. It's simply not going to work because we're entering a new time. I think we've already entered it. It's, it's here when we'll have to be completely reliant on God. Years ago, very good woman one day came into my office and said, I want to give you something. And she put up plastic frog on my desk and I said oh thank you what is this about and she said this is for you to always remember to have full reliance on God F-R-O-G full reliance on God the acronym from that, that phrase and I, I thanked her and I thought that's interesting and I, I had to think about it do I have full reliance on God I didn't as most of us don't the minute something happens, we start racing through our mind looking for solutions, right? You all know this to be true, most of us anyway. Um, a bad diagnosis on the phone or potentially bad, you know, we found a lump and the mind races. What is it going to be? What is it going to be? How can I fix this? What should I do? Should I change my diet? Do I have to change my lifestyle? What am I doing? And we search but we're not going to the one who actually has the ability to fix the problem, to remove the problem, to bring glory out of the problem. Joshua was a man who did exactly what God told him. He didn't come up with his own plan. He followed the advice of the Lord. And he prayed and he dug into the word and he worshiped God and trusted God would provide. And God provided every single time. So this is the Old Testament. How much more do we have in the New? God led them into the promised land on earth. Jesus, the new Joshua, you know, Joshua is a kind of American name um, for Yeshua, which is Jesus. So the old Joshua led God's people across the Jordan into the promised land physically the new Joshua Yeshua Jesus leads the people of God across death over into the promised land of heaven how much greater is this oh it's a it's infinitely greater uh, and so sometimes now he allows trials and tribulations to occur without stepping in because now there's a power in the cross that there wasn't before Jesus. 
we have a power as part of the mystical body to use the cross and wield it as a great weapon against Satan and his minions. This is really true. You know, I was just speaking to a woman recently who has horrible physical afflictions. And I do think she is a, um, a suffering servant, you know, like a Louisa Picaretta of sorts. Um, and I said to her, you know, we've prayed constantly. We've, I've broken curses. I've done everything I could think of to try to set you free and nothing seems to be working. So I have to believe, because she's a very holy woman and she's fully engaged in the sacraments on a regular basis, I have to believe that this is being allowed by God to save souls. And so here's what you need to start praying. When these, It only happens when she prays. When she prays, all these physical, horrible pains come upon her body. I said, you, it's like Padre Pio. You just got to have to offer it back. And you just say, Lord, I don't enjoy this suffering, but I accept it. And I ask you now to save 100 babies from being aborted today. Rescue 100 children from child trafficking. Rescue 100 prostitutes from prostitution. Uh, set free 100 uh, men who are about to commit whatever, you know? And you just keep adding to the list every day and start again the next day. Well, this is going to drive the devil crazy. And at some point, he's going to say, I've had enough of this one. I'm going to stop. Because it's, um, it's almost like a chess game, you know? He's got, to, he's got to analyze how much is he willing to lose to cause suffering on this one person. And uh, God will honor it, you know, because that's what he did with his son, who is the head of the mystical body. So uh, it's not what everybody wants to hear, but it is true. And boy, will her reward be great when she gets to heaven for, for offering all that suffering to save all these people. Um, I wouldn't ask for it. That's not, you know, you, you, you just take what God gives you and you offer it back. It's that simple. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And you just say, Lord, use it all to save souls. Right now, I think we're on the precipice of something very big that's about to happen. Just recently, the Lord was telling me to pray for Italy in particular. I don't know why, but I said, okay, I'll pray for Italy. Um, so we, we just pray for the, what we have to. Um, what we ask, what God asks us, we pray for, and we offer it back. Now, <clears throat> let's talk about a little bit about how the blessings of God go way beyond the curse, because you know in the Old Testament He said, "I place before you the blessing and the curse, life and death. Choose life." So we get to choose. This is all about free will. Uh, are you choosing life today or are you choosing death? Well, when you turn on the news and you look across the planet, um, of course, there's probably billions of people we would never know about who are probably doing the right thing and hopefully choosing life, living in obscure places of the world we have no idea. But the people who get the headlines, not always choosing life. Not always choosing life. Everyone who's been saved uh, by the grace and faith in Jesus Christ is covered by every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's Paul speaking to the Ephesians. And the supernatural blessings of God go far beyond any spiritual curse. 
But that doesn't mean Satan, God's adversary, the enemy of you and I, uh, won't try to trap you in the many curses that the fallen world experiences. So we have to be on guard. You have to be on guard. You have to be the watchman. You have to be the one who is constantly in prayer. Uh, you have to be the one that's constantly forgiving, constantly in a position of humility. Basically, you have to be the one that is imitating Jesus and his mother Mary. It's basically, if that, you want to put it in a nutshell, that's it. So in God's eyes, being blessed or cursed is not in question. You are blessed through Christ. But being blessed doesn't mean you have no problems, right? Of course not. If Jesus was murdered and he did nothing wrong his whole life, then the rest of us can say we're going to have problems. Jesus said that as long as you live in the world, there would be troubles to overcome with his strength. That's in John 16, 33. So how can you know if you're living in the blessings of God when you feel the world's curses trying to overtake you? Well, first we have to define blessing like God does in his word. If you're ever wondering what God is asking and you don't understand, go back to the, something that uh, is a correlation in the word of God. Now, God doesn't define blessed and cursed like we do. And whether you trust in God's word or your own experiences um, will influence how you behave in the face of difficulties. That's really true. So you are blessed with the uncommon supernatural ability to overcome every trial that you face. Jesus promised that. My grace is sufficient. Let me say it again. You are blessed with the uncommon supernatural ability to overcome every trial you face. So right now, I'm going to pause there. We're just going to turn to the Lord right now and say, Lord, I give you praise and glory that you're going to give me, that you've already given me the grace to overcome every trial I'm facing. I give you thanks and praise, and I ask you to pour down your peace and your joy from heaven into my heart, that I would be a great witness of you through the trials I'm walking through today. Amen. The world may try to curse you, but God says you're blessed. Whose report are you going to believe? Whose declaration will you embrace? See, the problem is when we're under the thumb of the devil and his curses, it's so easy to fold. But, you know, the, the real and tried and true tested saints, they didn't do that. They didn't do that because they went back to the word and they said, nope, I have been blessed by God. God is with me. God is using me to conquer sin and death, just like he did on the cross. So the power of curses cannot overcome the blessings of God in Jesus. I'll just say it again so you hear it. The power of curses cannot overcome the blessings of God through Jesus Christ. Plenty of Christians still struggle with doubt and fear. You know, we saw this particularly through COVID when even faithful people were behaving strange. 
you know, when they were more worried about their body than their soul. Um, and worry about the power of the, the devil and curses uh, or even bad luck because they might think the enemy has, is a master at combining coincidence and fear so he can get into your head. Well, that's, he is a master at that. He would love nothing more than for you to think that he has the ultimate spiritual power. But because of Jesus Christ, Satan has nothing more over you than you give him. Did you hear that? He has no more power over you than you give him. Proverbs 26, verse 2 says, An undeserved curse will not land on its intended victim. But you have done, but you, have you done something to deserve a curse? Yes, everyone has. It's called sin. But again, an undeserved curse will not land on its intended victim. The power of the curse is sin, and as a result, death. But that was paid for by Jesus. And if you're in Christ, you're spiritually protected from the power of any curse. And no human or high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God could ever put one on you. You have the authority to cast those things down in the name of Jesus. Again, Paul to the Corinthians. They can send the fiery darts, but if you have on the breastplate of righteousness, they're not going to penetrate. It's just not going to happen. And whatever sufferings God does allow, again, it can be wheeled, turned into grace and wielded back tenfold to crush the enemy. It's God's secret weapon. The cross is God's secret weapon. But we have to start wielding it. You have to imagine yourself picking up that cross like a big tomahawk, an axe, and crushing Satan's head, slamming it over his head, pounding his face into the dirt, smashing his skull open. Yeah, it's violent, but we're allowed to have enmity against the enemy. It was given to us in the garden that we would have enmity against him. So wield that cross to crush Satan. Crush him. And, you know, ask big from the storehouse of God's grace when you have a trial. Lord, I want a thousand souls in purgatory set free today and that they would then join you in heaven to pray against these demonic things that are being done on earth. Pray big. God prays big. God acts big. Jesus prayed big. So we should be doing the same as him. We will pick this up tomorrow. There's lots more to tell you, and it's all good news. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Dan, signing out.